Liberty Station is brought to you by my good friends at Devoted Capital, where they believe how you profit matters. They're dedicated to helping you align your investments with your values, empowering you to a life well-lived. Welcome to the Bryce Eddy Show on Liberty Station, where we are a threat to the Great Reset. And um, today, I've got one of my favorite repeat guests, and that is Dr. Keith Rose. And we are going to get into this book, Silent Weapons for Quiet Wars, which he's talked about on his program. He went on Charlie's show to talk about it a little bit. Um, but we're going to go a little bit deeper and relate to some of the current events that are going on, because if you don't see these connections, they are real and they are living right now. So, Dr. Keith Rose, how are you, sir? I'm good. Thanks for having me, Bryce. Well, it's always a great pleasure for me, brother. I um, I don't. I was telling uh, uh, a guest that I had earlier that you were coming on and um, that we were going to talk about this stuff. And if you remember, before I was doing my podcast, uh, you and I would just pop on the phone from time to time and compare notes of what we were seeing and what we were, you know, um, talking about with some of our intelligence contacts and everything that was going on. And you're always so tapped in. You're like a, you know, Jack Posobiec with uh, the connections that you have and are able to kind of bring into these things. And then you called me before you went on Charlie's show and you said, hey, listen, man, you got to read this thing. I just discovered this. This is, um, you know, better than um, uh, Yuri uh, Bezmanov, right? Bezmanov, yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, you, uh, you're like, hey, this is, this is something that we got to hit. So uh, I'm eager to get into it with you. Sounds good. So, um, by way of, um, you know, why don't you just tell the quick story of the introduction of this book and how they found it? So, you know, we can kind of level set from there. Sure. It was discovered, I believe, in 19, was it 89? Uh, or 84. 1984. Yeah. Or 86. 84 or 86. Yeah. I'm getting lost in the beginning. But it was written in 1979. Yes. It was discovered in 1986 by a guy that worked for one of the contracting companies, General Dynamics, or um, do you have it down there? I know I always um, mess up yeah, who he worked for. Uh, B- Boeing, Boeing, I think. Boeing. Was, he worked uh, yeah. for Boeing. And what he was doing, he was buying, if anyone's over the age of 40, they remember those large printers, the IBM printers, the ones that were half the size of the office. You know, they were about six feet long and a couple feet wide, and people used to sit on them and yeah, print things. Co- it's why we had copy machine rooms, because you just couldn't right. tuck yeah, it co- somewhere. Yeah, the whole room. So he bought, as I understand from reading the different excerpts, that he bought this copier in 1986 for parts. So the copier wasn't working. It had evidently broken. And when he was taking it down, breaking it down for parts, he found this document in the copier. Now, these copiers, um, I'm going to go out on a limb here. and I've, I've seen them. I've used them. They can correlate things. So you can get documents stored in these copiers. And that's what he found. He found this document. When I looked at it initially, it reminded me of a lot of documents that I have seen in the past, a lot of government documents, things that you would see. If you, if you look at a lot of the military intelligence documents, They'll, they go through a whole list of things you need to understand from interrogation to how you work at, with assets to how you 
you know, store documents that you find, chain of custody, you name it. You know, they always they lay out everything. So this document to me looked like an official government document. Um, It also, if you notice the the numbering and the way they identify this document, the way it's written, it's not written like it's a story. It's written like a bunch of engineers or a bunch of analysts or a bunch of upper level managers got together and, and wrote a document. So yeah, it's it's written it's written like in this pseudo academic uh, kind of tome, assuming that you, whoever is the recipient of this, already know some things, and correct. you're being imparted upon this as as uh, you know a part of the instructions for your your job. Right, and and it's very clear in that document that this document was for the intended person to read it. And not for public distribution. In fact, there are several places in that document they say this doesn't need to get out into the public. Right. And so when you have this Boeing contractor, he breaks it down. He sees this document. I imagine when he came out with it in 1986, we're at the height of the Cold War. So if you wanted to ever say, hey, this is probably Russian disinformation, you know, anyone that wrote the document could have just said, especially if it was in intelligence circles, would have said, oh, it's it's Russian disinformation or it's propaganda or whatever. You really didn't have the proper context for the content that's in the document. But now fast forward almost 20 or 30 years or 40 years. Man, makes me old. And as, as we fast forward almost 40 years in 2022, the context becomes very apparent that the content is not fabricated, but it looks like a plan in its formation that has just been advanced. And if you look at the specifics of that document, you can see where where they felt they were going to have some issues as far as mass surveillance or mass information collection. They just didn't have the tools yet. But yeah. Then the internet comes along and puts that document on steroids. Yeah, they announce they announce in certain spots like, okay, here's you know here's uh, what we need to do. Here's how we can craft this, and they suggest ways that they're going to go about doing it. But but some of those ways weren't super feasible, you know, like, OK, we're going to collect all this information from the IRS or, you know, whatever. OK, that's great. But that's, you know, some of that might be labor intensive or, you know, we're going to look at your phone records or things like that. Now, all those things are automated by AI. And so many of the things that they're collecting on us, we give now voluntarily through multiple things. The um, the thing that I find fascinating. Well, it was very human intensive. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, amen, amen. The thing that I find fascinating about the beginning of this book, when it's sort of setting it up, they lay out, and and maybe you notice this, but they talk, they reference the year 1954, which which is right as we were becoming a massively prosperous nation because of the post-war boom, you know, economic boom. You know, we're sitting on top of the world, and they um, they kind of lay out this concept of of energy, right? And I'll, I'm going to hit a couple of pieces in this book. So they um, you know they say energy is recognized as the key to all activity on Earth, and then they talk about you know uh, how science studies these things, and then they talk about um, all science is merely a means to an end. The means is knowledge. The end is control. And 
Go ahead. The, the means is knowledge. The end is control. So take those two separate variables. You have knowledge equaling control. Well, that knowledge is, I believe it's um, velocity is mass times speed. I have to go back to my physics, but speed times mass equals velocity. So if you say control is where they're going with this, that's the velocity that they want to get to. So they have mass and they have speed, but the speed is a limiting factor because they have to collect information. They don't have enough people for that kind of speed. They, right. they talked about literally in that document going through trash of people to get information on them, going yeah. through the IRS. But to do it from an intelligence point of view back then, you would have to get what we call access agents into the IRS. Now, if you have, to give you an example, if you wanted information on people, you'd have to have multiple access agents to go into these files and what rudimentary computing they had to gain enough information to hit the velocity where they were trying to take this. And they, and they, and they freely admit this is the early stages. They don't have that yet. It's the quote, second industrial revolution. Go 40 years advanced now to the fifth industrial revolution and you don't have to have a hundred access agents to get information on a thousand people you can have one access agent at a computer terminal in the irs get information on a million people yeah so you've exponentially increased your speed of acquisition of information and just as an aside in the intelligence community when you get information that doesn't make it intelligence it makes it information Right. Once you have that information and you put it into a product, so you put it into a report and it's then it's verified. It's make sure it's not circular reporting, this, that and the other. And then you apply it. Then it becomes intelligence. But it's not that the raw product is information. So what they're talking about is gaining the raw product, making it become intelligence to create that entropy or energy. The thing is, they want, they believe that that energy is something that they need to control and the yeah. way they're going to control it is by controlling the information. Yeah, and they and they lay out, I mean their their whole central tenet of this thing is laid out in the first uh, you know few pages here. Um, and I'll I'll read this cuz I think this is this sums up the entire thing. Consequently, in the interest of future world order, peace and tranquility, it was decided to privately wage a quiet war against the American public with an ultimate objective of permanently shifting the natural and social energy, which they define as wealth, of the undisciplined and irresponsible many into the hands of the self-disciplined, responsible, and worthy few. That is, if that doesn't sum up all that we have been experiencing for the last several years now out in the open, nothing does. Because that perfectly encapsulates what we've seen with their power grab during COVID, with the things that they're doing right now, the stuff that we're witnessing online with the Twitter files, everything. Exactly. If you would have read that again with a strict German accent, you know, yeah. and, and you know, you got Klaus Schwab right there. What yeah, you should have done a Bond villain. Exactly. You have the elites and their invincible ignorance meaning sometimes right, sometimes wrong, never in doubt, thinking that we have to control the masses. It's all about control. Anything in intelligence is about in control. 
every asset has to be under control or at least the illusion of it, according to the managers. If you really want to kind of ding someone in the intelligence world, just say they're control risk. Yeah, the guy's really good. He gets a lot done, but, you know, I think he's a little bit of a control risk. Well, the elites have taken that to the next level, and I'm speaking in intelligence because you can't pull off this type of quiet coup, if you want to say quiet weapons for silent wars or silent coup with these quiet weapons, without having access agents in the intelligence community who have access to tools – tools that are computing tools. You know, when you hack something, you're using a set of tools. When you listen in on someone, you're using an electronic set of tools to get in information. I'll give you an example. Um, Hillary Clinton's email server. Now, I might know some guys that understand that really well. And the guys I may or may not know have said that the first person in during a hack is what kind of sets for all the quote hangers that come in after the hack. They call everyone after the hack hangers. So the first set of tools put in there opens the electronic door, so to speak. And I believe the first set of tools in Hillary Clinton's server probably came from a nation state where we're sitting on that soil. And then it opens a door for others to come in. Like I forget the big name. Everyone was talking about quote hack Hillary server, but they were like number 22 through the door. Yeah. I mean, you, you really knew who went through first, second. Yeah. The lock and, was already broken. Well, usually that's a uh, somewhere from the antenna farm and these guys may or may not know what they're doing. They're given a target and a set of tools and it's an electronic game board to them. But the people that make the decisions with that information should be accountable to our elected leaders. And that's where everything has fallen apart. And so you see this mass rush towards chaos in the implementation of these quiet weapons for silent wars. And the result is anything but silent. I mean, silent because as the chaos increases, you hear a lot more screaming and yelling, and then you hear more people do exactly what you just said. You know, these people don't know what they're doing. They can't handle it. So benevolently, we're going to step in and enslave them. And I think it says something in that book about benevolent slavery and genocide. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Um, I I mean, it it lays out the attitude that um, I think is is, uh, what causes the Democrat Party to, um, you know, have this desire to own the minorities, they they have enslaved the minorities in just a different form, um, you know, post uh, actual slavery being abolished here in this country. But it's that same spirit of them patting them on the head and saying, "We're going to take care of you guys." This uh, also goes into the uh, you know details of of how they look at even the welfare system and welfare payments. And, and how they were going to use that to enslave and control a whole group and class of people uh, to make sure that they cannot rise up against them. Exactly. What, what they're doing is you have the elites or those in government. And again, I started this off with it's about control. They need to control the assets. And our government has decided that the lower economic status of people is a place that they can control based on 
what they're giving. You know, we're taught in when you study socialism, if you're taught the actual history, you always need to ask the question, why is the cheese free? You know, the mouse yeah. never asks, why is the cheese free in the mouse trap? He just takes it and it's too late. You notice that we haven't cut welfare. We have plenty of money for welfare. We have plenty of money for, you know, illegals coming across the border. We just, we have plenty of money for Ukraine. What we don't have plenty of money for are the things we actually need according to our elites in this country. You know, it, it's money is used as a tool for control. And what happens is, and it's, it's how you lose strong countries, is once a country gets to the point where their elected leaders realize that they can use the treasury as their own personal bank to keep and maintain power, yeah. then you're going to have the decline of that society. And I think that's why they always talk about us being a democracy. The only, oh, yeah. the only problem is we're not a democracy. I've said the Pledge of Allegiance a whole lot of times. I don't know the word democracy in there, but I do pledge to our republic for which it stands one nation under God. And well, they say, the republic means rule of law. It's not yeah, just they say, law democracies never work. No, because but that you notice that they say over and over again, our democracy. Um, and the reason that the, the elites are always saying our democracy or the mainstream media is always saying our democracy, they don't mean our. They don't include you and I in this. Um, because we disagree with them, right? They they are um, thinking of the majority, which in this case right now, they have the majority control. And so it's our democracy. And they're it, manipulating. A, I mean, they, they want to control those they can with money. The interesting thing is, do, you, do the American people understand that an out-of-control FBI is fed by our tax dollars? An out-of-control IRS is being fed by our tax dollars, that there are tax dollars that are being washed through Ukraine and coming back into the pockets of NGOs and nonprofits and ending back up into our elected officials' hands. I mean, we have a, a fracture and almost a complete disruption in the rule of law. And if you don't have that, you can't have a republic. Right. And that's where we're missing the point. They love to talk about democracy because it obfuscates the point that we're not a pure democracy. We're a representative republic. And if people actually understood that, they would they it would protect us more than we are now because any democracy, the leaders just realize that as long as they can get enough people to, to move in a direction based on the money they're giving them, which is always OPM, other people's money, it's not their own, then they get to a point where they're just going to continue to buy votes and they're going to continue to empower other groups. But what they're also doing is a classic, you know, Marxist slash communism scheme. And that's turn people against each other and yeah. cause a lot of problems. They write, they write here, the social welfare program is nothing more than an open ended credit balance system, which creates a false capital industry to give non-productive people a roof over their heads and food in their stomachs. This can be useful, however, because the recipients become state property in return for the gift, a standing army for the elite. For he who pays the piper picks the tune. Those who get hooked on the economic drug must go to the elite for a fix. Do you know whom you're voting for? With every product you buy and every dollar you spend, you are casting your vote. 
Devoted Capital offers values-based investing portfolios that are designed to help you reach your financial goals, all the while making a positive impact on your life and the world around you. They are dedicated to educating, engaging, and empowering you to be wise with your investments and to equip you to be knowledgeable with your vote. Visit their website at devotedcapital.com to learn more about values-based investing or dial 805-372-0821 to speak to your values investor advocate today. Investment advisory services offered through Alliance Advisory and Securities, LLC, registered investment advisor. And that it's called slavery. If you have to go to someone to get something, then you are beholding to them. You're a slave to them. That's why this administration, this Democrat Party, it's not the Democrat Party of 30 years ago, but this Democrat Party hates the middle class and the working man. Because the beautiful thing about the United States of America is it doesn't matter where you start. You can rise based on your equality of opportunity, not equity, but your equality of opportunity. And if the way our nation's going now is we're decreasing the equality of opportunity as we increase equity. And what that does is that is bricks that are, that are plastering in the ceiling of advancement. And so people give up hope. They turn to drugs, which are freely able to get pretty easy now since the borders are open. And so what they do is they're trying to basically anesthetize freedom or a society that is driven. And, you know, you've seen that with social media. It's just, will America wake up or will we be like many other great nations and sow the seeds of our own dissolution, to quote Benjamin Franklin? Yeah, and, uh, I mean, they lay they lay out in this, and here's here's where your benevolent slavery comes in to, to um, put, put a point on it. They say, since the most— since most of the general public will not exercise restraint, there are only two alternatives to reduce the economic inductance of the system. Let the populace bludgeon each other to death in war, which will only result in a total destruction of the living earth, or, number two, take control of the world by the use of economic silent weapons in a form of quiet warfare and reduce the economic inductance of the world to a safe level by a process of benevolent slavery and genocide. Or COVID. Yeah. And lockdowns. Yeah. You had lockdowns happen. Some people, I mean, there's, again, in order to propagate any of this, what we were reading, you have to have control of the media. Because if you read Hegel, Marx, any uh, you can't allow an opposing opinion to be out there. And the Twitter files are so key in understanding the the secret sauce and the ability to have quiet weapons for silent wars. And the quiet weapons are only allowed to be effective when you keep the opposition to those weapons quiet. So you're really quieting opposition so that those weapons can run unobstructed. Yeah, so this, um, this book is godless. And by that, you know, you can see when you read it that it is, um, it's it's written from a humanist standpoint where they believe that they are the God, and it is up to them to be the saviors of the earth. Because through it, they're explaining the entire time that, look, we, 
we, the blessed few, must do this, and we must engage in these things because we are going to preserve humanity for, for the long term. And this same spirit is what, like you and I have talked about over and over again, uh, you know, when we've highlighted corruption and we've highlighted all the things that are going on, that, that this was r- right out of the playbook. Well, now we're holding what, what is like the cliff notes of their playbook. You know, what we were talking about is all of these things that, you know, take a Dr. James Lindsay to highlight and go through and try to condense. And, you know, he'll do three-hour, um, you know, talks on some of these individual sub, um, subjects. But what they did here is distill down. We, we have a problem, and we believe this problem is there's too many people we're going to get too prosperous and we need to control this you know wealth and we need to control this system and we need to eliminate some of these people off the board over time here's how we're going to do it right it's 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 control of the many by a few uh, probably just a few streets of banking in in england so to speak maybe but what you have is you have people deciding who lives and who dies. I mean, there's no better example than COVID. Right. You now have the the NIH walking back the fact that they said, we never told people that they couldn't take ivermectin. We just, we're, 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 we're spitting out a recommend. I mean, they are just, they're tumbling all over themselves. They're in a word salad, turning into a word pretzel, trying to walk this one back. And not to re- litigate covid the bottom line we're finding out is vaccines are killing people at a greater rate exponentially than they would ever help them they don't stop transmission or acquisition of the disease and oh by the way those things that were inexpensive that could have saved millions of lives we lied about research and we basically just didn't want people to take them now you can look at that and say well that's greed and it is it's evil but that's what you're seeing when you have these globalists. They saw something where they could take that book in your hands and move it to the next level. Mm. And and they reason it has to be godless. And they speak about this a little bit in the book. They say if you have religion, people with, quote, religion, and I'm assuming that's understanding who God is. Mm-hmm. They under, they, they, I'm paraphrasing. They understand reality. They don't want you to understand reality. They want you to understand their truth. Reality is there's only male and female. I'm a, I, if I wasn't a doctor, I'd have been an archaeologist. Any archaeological site you find, you carbon date things, you look for the sex. There's always been only male and female. No one's ever looked at the other 37 sexes. It's not a quote thing, as Joe Biden would say. So, you know, there's hard truth in reality, which they can't have, because when you have truth run up against any of this narrative. It crumbles unless you can quiet dissension or truth. And that's what they did with Twitter. I think the fact that Elon Musk is doing what he's doing is really God's grace. I mean, God can use a crooked stick to draw a straight line. He's done it with many people. And, you know, this book, finding it in 1986 may not have seemed important then, but I guarantee you it's real important now and we need to shine a light on it. My boss in the intelligence world, may rest in peace, always said sunshine was the best disinfectant. And you have right now, I mean, the American people not only are 
seeing the deception, but they're seeing the deception behind the deception. Mm -hmm. They're seeing these Twitter files. They're not made up. A guy's putting them out there that's not a ranked conservative. And so the left, you think they hated Donald Trump. They're going to doubly go after Elon Musk. And I think we really need to be lifting Elon up in our prayers for protection. But the American people, you know, the Lord's really good about letting people see truth and then making a decision. But you have a lot of cowards today in the United States of America and in the absence of courage, truce and orphan. So you have these guys that are cowards that won't stand up in the medical profession, in the media, in the FBI, in the military. Now, you do have some brave people and you're going to get pushback, but you're either going to die to yourself and your own personal wants and needs and become alive to Christ, which is truth. That's where our freedom comes from. And then you don't worry about what people think. I mean, I guess in this world you could try to cancel me, but I'm uncancelable because I serve the one true God. I serve God, period. That's it. You know, you can say yeah. anything you want about me. I fear the Lord. And when you fear God, you don't fear anything else. But when you don't yeah. have the fear of the Lord, you fear everything else. I fear being canceled. What will they say about me? If I read this book, then I'm responsible with what I know. You know, we're not you're not responsible for things you don't know, but you will be held responsible with the gifts you're given and what you know. Yeah, and we need to be brave and we need to be willing to take these risks and uh, lose our jobs and lose our wealth and all that stuff because there is so much at stake. You know, you and I have children, um, you know, at the uh, fact at the speed and velocity of which, you know, I've been calling it the velocity of atrocities on this show. We're watching what's happening and how quickly it's happening. You know, what will things look like moving at this pace if we don't somehow arrest this slide or break this system and, you know, uh, reset in the not global reset way, but reset and revive and revitalize what God's given us here. You know, we need a great awakening. We need a revival. And so we need brave people to be courageous and and risk it all, because this is what they're doing to us. Um, It talks in the book here, and I would love your thoughts on this, about the experiments that they could do with commodities, just, you know, putting, uh, you know, putting a damper on certain things and seeing how people react and getting them used to that to see behaviors so that, um, you know, they could make these great changes. Well, that relates so much. like the supply chain. Yes, that relates so much to what we've seen here with COVID and the lockdowns. And, you know, I'm convinced um, now more than ever that they knew that they were going to interrupt things in a way that was going to be detrimental to our supply chain. I don't think I refuse to think they were all that stupid, um, but they saw how we're reacting now and they've been using it to manipulate us. There's no question. I mean, again, this is a very illuminating book. It shows you a lot, a lot of light. Yeah. And what we're seeing is, you know, with you stop the supply chain, a lot of this is, you know, they talk about man-made climate change. No, we just have man-made economic climate change. We have supply chain interruptions because they're blocking railways from shipping certain types of cargo. We have man-made blocks in the supply chain because we have ports that are stacking up Rojo and container ships as far as the eye can see and not letting them get through. We have man-made supply chain issues when we cut our 
exploration and development of natural gas, which is a key ingredient, nitrogen fertilizer. When we block shipment of yellow phosphorus and we limit ourselves with natural resources, the thing is this, they have to have those media mouthpieces to to keep these quiet weapons going because if people could read a book and understand that we are one of the most natural resource rich nations in the world this is all self-induced i mean we're we're allowing drilling in venezuela where they're eating dogs because there's no food yet we're not allowing drilling on our own lands you know vanguard who we talked about before recently just came out and said they're getting out of that climate pledge They're no longer going to be ESG. That's a huge hit because Vanguard owns pretty much every company in some part or parcel. I think even the smart people probably got there and said, you know what? We've let these useful idiots run hard enough. We're going to need gas. You can't fly our private jets without jet fuel. We can't, you know, you're, you can't controlling everything. If it's burnt to a crisp is, you know, controlling a pile of ashes is not really what they had in mind. They want to control the pile, so they don't care if your pile's ashes, but they don't want yeah. their pile to be. And if you stop oil and gas, that's what's going to happen. Well, and and part of the reason that they that they do these supply chain things and they do this stuff to us and they and they outline it here in the book, they they talk about uh, they have to convince the public that we need to really rely on the experts. Because remember, free free enterprise, small business, all those things. Uh, you know that's a threat to them, right? And so if we if they can roll it all up into these larger and larger enterprises and larger and larger, uh, you know, corporate concerns, you know, then that's that same thing of us putting all of our faith and all of our trust in the experts. Okay, kids, it's too volatile for you. Let us handle it. Well, that's where you get scientism versus science. There was a great article in the Epoch Times by Dr. Carity who talked about that. And there was an Italian, um, I believe he's a physicist, who talked a lot about scientism versus science. And any type of communism, any type of fascism has to have scientism. They have to have experts that are absolutely certain and full of hubris. That's scientism. If you have someone that says this is a science, that that that's that's nothing but arrogance, and that's scientism. When you have yeah. science, science is uncertain and very humbling. Scientism is absolute certainty and full of hubris. And yeah. so when you have someone like Dr. Fauci say, I'm the science, any real scientist on its face would go, that's not true because – even if you know something to be true in science, there's always a question because science is constantly changing. The more we learn, the more we yeah. discover. We yeah, the natural to, world we is to not treat people by bleeding them. We don't yeah, do that no. anymore. Yeah, the natural world is not changing, and it's not really, uh, um, you know, the the material order of things is not changing because you know God created it. God is the author of all of that. But what's happening is our understanding of it is what's growing, and that's what's making it seem like it's changing or evolving. And and that's that's why the arrogance of a Dr. Fauci, who, by the way, I loved Elon Musk's tweet uh, regarding him the tweet. other day, which was, yeah, I, I my pronouns are uh, prosecute Fauci, and I thought that was great. Well, and, and I'm telling you, they don't know what to do with Elon because he's doing what 
Marxist hate. He's taking their language and yes. using it against them. And the only way that those silent weapons work is if they can silence him. The problem is he went in and got control of the, the public square. And you're, you're watching people squirm with it. And again, that's why they, that's why they can have so-called experts, because no one will question the science when you should always question the science. Yep. Um, yeah, there's a there's a term, and I'm seeing if I, I thought I uh, okay, yeah, I did write it down um, that Dr. Lindsay is using now, and I think it's brilliant, and it's a it's thought terminating cliche. That's what the the Marxists are doing, you know, and and they're they're doing so much of this, um, and I want to um, get your take on this. They're doing so much of this with language, and when you beat them at the word games is how you succeed, and we need to do that more. Um, there's an exchange with, between Elon Musk and Alex Berenson where Elon Musk actually blocked Alex Berenson. So Elon is criticizing Yoel um, Roth, who's the principal um, censor-in-chief over there at Twitter, who's responsible for kicking Trump off the platform. Um, you know, more and more of his tweets and, and uh, internal Slack messages going back and forth are being revealed. And what he did was systematically figure a way to suppress Donald Trump, suppress the, um, uh, the free speech that um, really leads to our ability to make decisions as to who we want to be president. He took it upon himself, and because uh, Elon attacked some things that um, Alex Berenson, I think, reflexively got nervous, like Elon was attacking the fact that he was gay and making it about him being gay. And so, uh, again, Alex uh, Berenson is not he's not a uh, conservative. Um, he's a truth no. teller um, and, and, uh, and he should be lauded as a truth teller. And, th and that's the reason he and I could get along. But what he's doing is nervously trying to prevent, um, because we've been so conditioned that we cannot criticize a gay person, like they are put onto a pedestal they, um, you know, that, that makes them above reproach um, by the very act of them having that sexual preference. We should be criticizing any bad actor out there, regardless of whatever the mainstream media or political correctness has told us, we need to criticize them. And so I thought it was an interesting exchange between the two of them. I, I'm not sure if you, you saw it at all. I, I didn't see that. I've, I've listened to a lot of James, Dr. Lindsay. I think he's yeah. a brilliant guy. But, and, and I like some of the stuff Alex has written. I would encourage everyone, it really doesn't matter how you plate the food. If it tastes yeah. like crap, it's crap. Amen. And, and if I say the food tastes like crap and you say, no, but look at the garnish. I mean, look at the plate it's on. You don't like that plate? Well, but the actual substance on that plate is going to give me, make me sick. No, yeah. you don't like the plate. I cannot believe you. This is, this is, this is what they're doing. That's where you get yeah. these canceling cliches. You don't like the plate. Or yeah. you're against gay people. No, I never said I was against gay people. I said I'm, I'm against teaching third graders about sex. And yeah. especially about deviant sex. I think you teach your kids about sex. That's a parent's job. We can't give yep. that up. And again, I would say that because they're attacking the family. And that book talks about it. And it so does. what Alex Bernson, he's 
he feels like he's being attacked for who he is and he's not. He's right. actually being caught up. That's what's so bad about a canceling cliche. What did, how did he call it? Um, uh, yeah, thought a thought terminating cliche. A thought terminating cliche. Here's the thing. Cl- cliche, yeah. It's not it's not a thought terminating cliche. If you push through, the truth will cut a thought terminating cliche in half. The only time yeah. a thought terminating cliche works if it takes you off the track of what you're saying. Yeah. The meat on that plate is petrid, but you're telling me I don't like the plate. No. I don't like the meat. That's why you have to bring it back. And the way you do that, and I'm using this as just a silly excuse, on Twitter I can say, I don't like the meat. And then before Elon took it over, they said, plate hater. He hates the plate the meat came on. He hated the garnish. He hated the sauce. No, I didn't like the meat. And so that's how they cancel you. Now they can't cancel you. So what you're going to see from the left is they're going to go after Elon. Anytime someone attacks you as a person – They've already lost the argument, and we need to be more effective. I think what I love when 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 Lindsay would go, okay, groomer, yeah, they hated we, that. Look, I'm going to admit something. I'm a terrible gift giver, but not this year because my friends at Good Ranchers are making it easy to give the gift of meat. This is actually a great idea. In fact, a hard economic year for most has caused essential gifts to be more needed and wanted than ever. Fortunately, you can easily give the most essential gift of all this year, delicious meat. Good Ranchers has gift boxes and gift cards so that you can give America's best meat and seafood this Christmas. With discounts on orders of five boxes or more, you can save on gifts for the whole family or your business. When you give someone a box of Good Ranchers, you're gifting them more than the best meat they've ever had. You're giving a true steakhouse experience with 100% American USDA prime and upper choice cuts of beef, chicken, and seafood. You're sure to beat out the new socks and re-gifted candles for the best gift of the year. Head on over to GoodRanchers.com and use code LIBERTY at checkout for $35 off your delicious gift of meat. If you know someone that likes meat, then you know someone who will love Good Ranchers. Your gift goes further with them because they take the premium price out of premium meats. Go to GoodRanchers.com and find the perfect box for you or a loved one in their curated selection of hand-trimmed meat and seafood. Give the best meat in America, support local U.S. farms, and get $35 off your essential gift with my code LIBERTY today. Good Ranchers, American meat delivered. They they did because they wanted it to be the equivalent of the N-word, right? They wanted it to be the equivalent of, you know, some, you know, uh, you know, horrific word uh, and term, you know, meant as a hateful word. Um, and they've done that with language in order to shut people up, you know. Now, obviously, there's, you know, words that, that are tremendously disrespectful that we shouldn't use, but they tried to create that equivalency with that word because they don't want us to actually use what that definition is and say that, hey, you shouldn't be teaching kids about deviant sexual practices in third grade, and you shouldn't be putting kids on puberty blockers and cutting their breasts off. You know, they, they want to prevent us from having the words to push back. And what Dr. Lindsay right. did was he won with that word, and it caught fire, and, and it started to, you know, shut them up. Excuse me. Yeah, all good. Um, I, I, 
I'll, well, no, I'll use I, another. And, and along those lines, you know, they changed the word that the last definition of racist now is anyone that doesn't agree with them. Oh, yeah. They, they've ruined that word. A racist to anyone on the left is you don't agree with me. I mean, I've, I've had discussions and we'll talk on point. And they'll go, you're just racist. You're just a misogynist. Yeah. And I'm like, OK, groomer. Adam you know, Carolla, I mean, it, it, uh, comedian Adam Carolla um, says it at best along this lines. He says there's no better time in this world to actually be a racist because you can hide among everybody else. You know, um, they've they've so um, neutered the word. They have taken the power out of the word that you can't actually call people racist. And there are racists out there. Um, you know, it's funny, they they uh, pulled a clip of me and inferred that I was a white supremacist by, um, you know, my uh, by the words that I was saying about how I believe that a, a real collapse uh, is, is coming. Um, and, and they, you know, they did this whole little, you know, uh, funny little weaving to, to make it, oh, that's what white supremacists believe and, you know, all this sort of nonsense, right? And the truth is, and I thought about responding, you know, and I have times when I think I should respond and then I realize that, oh, no, that's just a waste of time because of what they're trying to do. But the truth is, I'm not a white supremacist. I'm a Western supremacist. And I believe that Western culture won for a reason, and it created the most prosperity and peace, you know, ever. And you know what? Anyone of any race can join me in this. Anyone of any ethnicity. You know what? Because that was what America was. You know, anybody could come here. Anybody could join us and, and become an American. And it had nothing love, to do with race. It doesn't. But as soon as we start speaking logic, then they're going to shout you down. You're yeah. a racist. You're a fascist. The interesting thing is they've taken over the anti-fascists when they are the actual fascists. And if 100%. you look at any of this, at um, Dr. Carity's article, I did actually a podcast on it. It'll explain it very simply how it works. But I like Mark Twain's definition the best. He, he talks about if you take a hundred black ants and a hundred red ants and you put them in a jar and you leave them alone, they'll get along fine. They'll go about their life. They will eat the leaves. They will, they'll do fine. But if you take that jar and you shake it, shake it up, then they'll start attacking each other. The red ants will attack the black ones. The black ones will attack the red ones. And then everyone's wondering, well, why are they fighting? You're asking the wrong question. You should be asked, who's shaking the jar? Amen. Because that's what's causing it. And so we need to back up. And ask, you know, you're calling these people racists and these people groomers and these people say you don't like gays and blah, blah, blah. My question is this. Who's shaking the jar? Because right. if you look at who's shaking the jar, that hand's going to have mainstream media on it. It's going to have big tech on it. It's going to have liberal government on it. That's who's shaking the jar. And so we're trying to explain why the ants shouldn't fight when we should be asking, why are they shaking the jar? Or in this case, the plum tree, because here's what they say about, you know, uh, controlling those commodities. They say, created events or shocks, which will bring about complete control and subjugation of the public through a subversion of the public economy by shaking the plum tree. That's the theme exactly. of this whole yeah, that's what they're doing. They have to have chaos because that's how the elites can take more of your freedoms. The biggest fear, if everyone wants to know how to stop 
the insanity tomorrow. It starts with the family. Amen. It starts with fathers and mothers raising their children, the man stepping up in the family. It starts, well, first it starts with Christ. It starts with getting back to our faith. And then it starts in the family. And then it starts with conversations with your neighbors. Our whole government was designed from the bottom up, not the top down. And that's why they've had so much trouble putting it in. And uh, when I say they, the liberal elites. And that's what this book talks about. So if you really, and they even mention it in here, if people understand religion, if they have good families, we won't be successful. So they can't use you as chattel for bargaining unless they completely reduce the family unit to a monetary unit. And they have to be able to separate to control. And that's that's where I think Americans, that's why the church is so important. Speaking the truth is important. I mean, we saw it during COVID at mass hysteria, mass chaos. How big did your church grow? Because you were open. Yeah. Yeah. How you opened the doors and all of a sudden the red ants and the black ants realized, hey, Someone's shaking the jar, but it isn't us. And so I think that that's that's what we need to do as a nation. We need to take a deep breath. I think that's one of the reasons people love President Trump so much is he came out and said they're shaking the jar. And that made him crazy. Oh, that that was the uh, essence of uh, Dave Chappelle's little skit on Donald Trump. Was he, you know, he was saying, yeah, I don't think you guys know why he is loved and liked. And, uh, you know, here's the reason. And that's essentially it. You know, he came out and said, hey, they're shaking the jar. How do I know? Because I'm one of those guys that was, you know, uh, behind the scenes on this thing. I'm using this system. Um, you know, let's let's give a, a little bit of encouragement along the lines of family right now, because I think young men need to hear a few things and young men need to hear this. They need to get married to their girlfriends, quit these dumb, long engagements where you're just playing house, messing around, uh, you know, pretending that your parents, uh, you know, with your with your dumb dogs um, have actual kids and get busy in that. You know, don't don't wait for careers uh, to take off. Don't wait thinking that you're going to be in a better economic position. You know, next year, whatever. You will rise to the occasion. Get married early. Have lots of great babies. Step up as men and get it done because that's what we're missing right now. And I'm convinced that that's part of. The enemy's plan and design is to just get people to delay, to wait, to push responsibility off. Of course it is. I mean, that's what the enemy wants. That's what the liberal elite want. And if you read the Bible, that's what Satan wants. He wants to destroy the family. because, And there's a reason for it, because the kingdom of God is family. Yeah. Yeah, it's a theme that's all throughout the Bible. And... When you have that, you and I are both members of the Married Way Over Our Head Club. And, you know, my wife, I adore her. You know, I I praise and thank God every day for my wife. Do we have struggles? Sure, we have eight kids between the two of us. But when you have a family, when you have a husband and a wife pulling in the right direction, hitting their knees before God, walking humbly before him and understanding there's going to be challenges in life. Then you start getting the fruit. 
And when you have the fruit, you start seeing kids become successful and they find their purpose. The idea behind government is they can't have a family because when you have a strong family, you have a strong root system. When you have a strong root system, then you can go out and find your purpose and punch through. If people find their purpose, they don't need government. And the interesting thing was the United States of America, our Constitution and Bill of Rights was designed not to tell us what we can do, but to tell the government what they can. That's right. And we should have our purpose based on Judeo-Christian principles. And then that's where you have peace. And if you get away from that, that's when you have people spinning out. They get out of the design, you know, and it's and they're not happy. And you're seeing a lot of unhappy people and then they become victims. And then when you're a victim, you have the right to rebel. And then you have some elites like in that book that'll step in and they'll tell you, you know, you're white. You can never change that. So you have shame. So you're going to feel like a victim. Then you rebel and we'll just control you. And we're seeing it play out before our eyes. Well, and the way that they control us, and one of the things that they call their primary strategy is keeping us ignorant, and uh, the uh, way that they do that is through diversion, and they use that word, and they lay out uh, disengaging people's minds, you know, keep uh, provide low-quality program of public education in mathematics, logic, system design, and economics, and discourage technical creativity. Engage their emotions, increasing their self-indulgence and their indulgence in emotional and physical activities um, by creating unrelenting emotional affrontations and attacks, mental and emotional rape, they call it. So keeping people through, you know, sex and violence and media, um, you know, dumb media and, and poor TV programming and everything, keep their brains occupied well, they and talk keep about them the, victims. The, the- Correct. They talk about having TV shows and movies that don't pass a 12th grade or 12 year old expectation. And what are we seeing? All these these Marvel universe. We're seeing all these their theme park rides, superhero theme park rides. And you're also seeing that where they're tearing down the family. They're making you know, you, you get your cell phone and you go on TikTok and you and you and people are strumming. I watch people just go through these videos for hours and it's just like, oh, yeah. 40 seconds of an emotional, you know, covetness, greed, people will, want, people desire, will, uh, you know, these, these. On a plane, remember, you know, uh, flying back, you know, 20 years ago, pre-Wi-Fi uh, on the planes, um, you know, I would read a good book. You know, I always brought two books. I brought a book that, you know, was a, was a challenging nonfiction, something that I wanted to learn or absorb. You know, you get tired on a plane after a little while, I need a backup book. So I bring a a good novel, you know, so I'd have something that was feeding my brain and something that was a story. And I would, you know, go back and forth on the flight, depending on, you know, the, the momentary engagement or my attention span. And I, you know, I used to read two books a week on average because of flying and and because of those downtimes and all of that sort of stuff. You wa- you're watching people now, and you you can see them across from the aisle, logging onto the Wi-Fi just to have an endless um, flow of social media clips. Right, and then when they're done after two hours, they feel worse than when they started. Amen. There, yeah. There's nothing they didn't gain anything from it. It's there's nothing. A buddy of mine was joking. Yeah, a buddy of mine was joking one time. He told me the other day. He said, "Man, the other night we're having dinner." 
and our Wi-Fi broke. And he said, so we all started talking around the, our family started talking around the table. He, table. He goes, hmm, really nice people. <laughs> you know, cause like <laughs> no one ever talks. <laughs> yeah. They're really kind of fun. We're, you know, we're, put, we're putting we don't in. Allow phones. Yeah, we're putting in place some of those things. You know, our, our family, I, I've talked about this before. My girls uh, have never had social media. Um, and at this point, it's by their choice. You know, we, we just kept it unavailable um, as they were growing up. It just wasn't a thing, right? Uh, and so it wasn't that we had to take any kind of hard stance. It just wasn't there. It wasn't available. Um, now that it's, it's available. That, that, amen. Now that it's available, they have kind of recognized uh, the stupidity of some of their friends that are super absorbed in it, and they're looking at that from a distance and saying, mm, I don't think I want to do that. And so they've made their own choices that just it's not something that they're interested in. Um, but we're, even with that, um, you know, and I'm probably the primary because of my job and, you know, I have four businesses that I'm operating off of, uh, you know, my, my devices, I, um, am the, am the great offender, but what I'm starting to do is say, okay, Hey, as a family, we need to be preserving, especially in these last couple of years where my girls are going to be, um, still with us, you know, they're growing up quick, man, they're going to be out of the house soon, um, you know, we're having to put some things in place to safeguard our time. You do. You have to look. Parenting is not a passive event. And that's why, you know, following the Lord is so important. Dying to yourself. Man, you want to die to yourself quick? Have kids. Because if you don't die to yourself and you count on the, the state raising them or the schools raising them, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. Someone goes, my wife says her grandmother always said the Internet was the devil. I don't quite look at it like that. I look at the Internet as the Roman road. You know, the Romans built those roads and were able to conquer great amounts of territory and a lot of horrific things happened. But it also was used by the disciples and the apostles and Jesus to spread the gospel. So the Internet, you get out of it what you use it for and what you put into it. And I think it's a good tool. But I look at the Internet like your mind. It's a wonderful servant, but it's a terrible master. And if you have to have a phone in your hand, you know, both my twins, you know, um, my younger boys – they didn't have a cell phone till they were 16. They yeah. didn't have one. Yeah, we did the same. You know, so they never got they never got into looking at their phone. They could kind of care less. And if you want to, you know, if you really don't love your kids, give them a phone and ignore them. I yeah. mean, that's you know, you're not you're you're saving yourself a lot of um, time. But you know, again, as fathers, we should be having thousands of conversations with our children, Amen. thousands. I mean, that's how, that's how they learn. I mean, that's what is our responsibility as parents. And I think what we have right now as a society, and the book talks about it, is people that want to abdicate responsibility and let someone else do it. And these guys that wrote that book are more than happy to take the responsibility in a benevolent slavery or genocide. Yeah. You know what they also did, and I thought this was clever because we're seeing this being played out, and Jordan Peterson talks about this all the time. They, they talk about getting people to shift their thinking from personal needs to highly fabricated outside priorities. Okay, now what that translates to is Jordan Peterson says, make your bed, clean your room before you take on the problems of the world. Like, get your life in order. Get yourself in order first. 
um, because people will focus on all of these things. You know, they're going to go out there and they're going to solve the climate crises, or they're going to go out there and they're going to end racism and all of this sort of stuff, and they don't have their own acts together. They don't have their own bed made or their room clean, you know, um, and, and that is a way of disempowering all of these people, making them think that they can have some kind of uh, world-sized impact on these big problems when they cannot. Well, it's, you know, my, one of my daughters who I love with all my heart, I have a blended family, um, she had a real desire to, you know, help women to do this, to do that. If I had to look at her, sweetheart, um, you can't help yourself yet. You graduated from college and you have no skills. You've been indoctrinated. And we have to have those conversations with our kids. And, yeah. you know, it's been a rough road, but she's starting to realize you don't help anyone by staying distracted. And, and that's where you get the virtue signaling. You know, we're all God designed us all to work from a, quote, moral position. It's just some people's definition of morals is different than others. I mean, you and I both been around, you know, if you're around a bunch of criminals in prison, they'll, we haven't been in prison, but you'll hear them say, well, I'm not the worst criminal. You know, they're going to come from a moral yeah. position. I'm maybe bad, but I'm not as bad as that guy. And yeah. what we're seeing right now is you're seeing a bunch of people virtue signal and it's hollow because they know they have no virtue. You know, these people that are the anti-fascists that are being fascists you know, throwing bricks through windows and rioting and burning down cities. But again, there's no consequences to their decisions. And when you don't have consequences, you know, and you don't have a family behind you, a father, you know, that's why fathers are important. My kids did something wrong. There were consequences to making the wrong decision. It was the same way when you and I grew up. And, you know, when we were in the military or when you go do other things, if you do something wrong, there are consequences to everything you do. And yeah. we have a government right now that is just removing consequence from the average person. Well, uh, from the average left-leaning person or person who is in their sort of, you know, slavery class. Um, and that's what, they, that's what they aim to do. Um, the, one of the, the most stunningly connected to our world of COVID parts of this book is it says that when the government is able to collect tax and seize private property without just compensation, it is an indication that the public is ripe for surrender and is consenting to enslavement and legal encroachment. A good and easily quantifiable indicator of harvest time is the number of public citizens who pay income tax despite an obvious lack of reciprocal or honest service from the government. So how that relates to COVID is basically they knew that it was harvest time. Once they got us all to lock down, shut our businesses, shut our churches, that's why you saw this velocity of atrocities, you know, just pick up like this, is because they knew they were ripe to do this. We were ripe to and be fleeced. And that's why I took, they took our national debt and shot it to the, out, the outer limits of the, of the universe. That's, that's why they spent all this money. They spent it like drunken Marxists. And what you have now is they're trying to do what your investment I've talked about. They're trying to come out and say normalization. This is the new normal. Yep. And everyone listening, I'd hope they send this to their friends. This is not the new normal. This is fascism. This is 
how you destroy your nation. So the, the real normal is the old normal where you actually get value for your money. Yeah. And the reason we have all these major omnibus bills is because that's money coming back to them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, back to the book, simply put, they want a human God to eliminate all risk from their life, put them on, pat them on the head, kiss their bruises, put a chicken on every dinner table, clothe their bodies, tuck them into bed at night and sell the, and tell them that everything will be all right when they wake up in the morning. That is why they stoked so much of our fears in COVID and then came in to, you know, to sell us the vaccine and everything else. Hey, it's going to be okay, people. Well, when I would, when you work in intelligence and you're developing an asset, I always had, my boss asked me one time, I can't believe you were able to do that. He goes, how'd you do it? And I go, well, sir, I fed their dreams and I starved their fears. Yeah. What we're seeing right now is we're seeing the largest asset recruitment in the history of the world with these globalists. They're feeding your dreams and they're starving your fears. And the way they're starving your fears is controlling the information that you're getting so you can't see. Yep. And, you know, again, you you may want to, um, trying to think of the best way I've heard this said. You may choose not to, to pay attention to the consequences of your actions but they will always happen anyway. Yes. There's going to be a time when you're going to have to quote, pay the piper, the consequences for your actions, but more importantly, the consequences for your inaction. And this is a time where the right thing to do is not an option. It's the only chance you have. And that takes a lot of faith. Yep. Yeah. They, uh, Promise the world and deliver nothing. They said that's how they're going to, uh, you know, get, basically lie to us. Um, yeah, that, that's they why they like surrender. the politicians. They want they, just they complete surrender. They said we'll give surrender. them politicians that promise the world and deliver nothing. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a, it's it's an incredible book. Um, you know, I, I hit some great highlights here for, you know, the people that want to, um, you know, dive into it. It's a quick read. It's, you know, 68 pages or whatever it is. And it, uh, it lays out so many things that, uh, now I think, uh, in context makes so much sense. Um, and you know, it ties to so many news stories that are all happening. You know, um, I've talked about the different manifestations of evil on this show with some of the pastors, cause we're seeing all of these things coming that all are related, but not related. You know, what, what do, what do, uh, you know, transgenderism and, and the, uh, you know, religion of that have to do with climate change and the religion of that. And, you know, how are all of these things that seem so disparate all this, um, you know, in the same people's Twitter profiles? Like, you know, once you sign up for one of these things, you sign up for them all and, and you're equally protective of them all. And that's what's happening right now. Right. It's amazing to think that a government that wants to take all this money for climate change but then tells us they can't control the price of gasoline, but they're going to control the climate. Yeah. They, they, they can't control X, Y, and Z. They're telling us, so oh, that's not controllable, but we can control the climate. Just give us enough money. You yeah. know, I would, I would tie the bow on by saying, you know, look in Joshua chapter five. 
You know, God always does his best work with not a lot of people. And Joshua in chapter five, he's, he's getting ready. He's looking around Jericho. He knows he's going to fight. And he sees this guy, big guy with, with a sword. And he looks at him and he says, you know, are you with us? Are you going to fight with us? Because Joshua's not stupid. He needs to know. Is this guy for me or against me? And he said, or are you fighting with them, meaning Jericho? And the Bible says he's, that the person said, no, rather I have come as a captain of the army of the Lord. Then Joshua fell with his face towards the earth, bowed down and said to him, what does my Lord have to say to his servant? Because that guy in that moment was saying, I didn't, he's from God. He said, I did not come to take sides. I came to take over and to build the kingdom. And when, if our nation humbles itself, looks to God, he didn't come to take sides. He came to take over, to build his kingdom. And that's the way, I mean, you know, even people that don't believe in God are saying, wait, we can't lose America because that was the one place. The guy they just released, this, you know, Lord of War, God of War, whatever, the death merchant. He said, you know, this isn't good because America was that one place that was a shining example for everyone to see. When your own enemies are saying, hey, you need to get your moral life together. And that's a time to to look inside and say, you know, how do we do that? And there's only one way, one truth, and one life, and that's Christ. And I I think this is a time where our young people are going to flame on for the Lord. I think we're going to see a lot Agreed. of shifting, a lot of changes. It's an interesting time to live. Agreed. You know, I, I don't think Americans were designed to live on their knees and have some, you know— octogenarian in the white house wearing a depends telling us what to do but the way to unseat that is to shed bring light to the thing light not logic and the churches are an instrument instrument part of that i think well when that uh when that lord of war uh, merchant of death guy got put away when he was convicted here he said i'll be out and on russian soil again in 10 years he said and the reason he said that was because uh, uh, basically America is going to fall. I forget what uh, what term he used. Um, I forget the exact quote, but the uh, the implication was that you know we're going to fall apart and we're going to end up letting him go. Um, and uh, sh- you know, sure enough, that you know this is a an interesting sign of the times that that we traded him for a, you know, lesbian basketball player, uh, pot smoker. Well, you know, and, and I'll take it one step further. I don't, you know, she's a lesbian pot smoking basketball player that hates this country. Yeah, I get it. Whatever. Yeah. It's usually first exactly. in first out. We have a Marine there that's been there longer than her. And, and I yeah. think they could have got both of them if they actually knew what they were doing. But again, we have, you know, when you have a lot of elites, it becomes real consanguinous. There's so much inbreeding yeah. in our government that they're not the sharpest tools in the shed. They're just the only tools there. And yeah. they're running unopposed because of the media. And, you know, that's why they're freaking out with Elon Musk. That's why they're scared to death in that book that if people actually understand, we are not Europe. We were not serfs that were ruled by monarchs that finally found freedom. We were, our forefathers came to this nation and risked everything and had yeah. amazing faith. And that is the seed that made this place great. The seed of freedom is still, in that soil. 
Yeah, that blood is still in many of us, and yeah, uh, and, and, that's and you why. know what, God, God, God isn't color. It, God is not is God is colorblind, but He's not blinded by color. I don't right. think He cares what we look like. Of course, God not. He looks made at us the all. heart. Yeah, and and you and I both know. I mean, you see my wife. Yeah, you know, I don't have to tell anyone whether I'm a racist or not. You just look at my life. I follow yeah. God. And I love what God loves, and I hate what God hates. And God loves everyone. Amen. And um, I think it's going to be an interesting time, but I do believe that the more we start putting this information out, the more people become educated. That's what they fear. That book is all about don't let anyone see it. Hey, we're, so we're I, everyone a, needs to get it. Tell we're making friends. a difference. Yeah, we're making a difference. We're over the target. Um, you know that by the uh, you know vile hatred that conservatives get right now. Uh, you can see that by how the um, people are freaking out behind the scenes as these Twitter revelations are coming out. Um, you know, another one just ro- uh, dropped um, that I believe is tied to a lot of uh, Fauci's uh, behavior, and um, I'm looking forward to reading through that. I haven't read through that one yet. Um, but, uh, it's, it's going to be revealing. Well, Hey, so in the last couple of minutes, uh, that we have here, uh, two requests, um, why don't you, um, tell everybody, uh, where to follow you again? And then why don't you pray us out? I'd love to, um, you can find me if you're having trouble sleeping at night at the scalpel with Dr. Keith Rose. It's on all the podcast platforms. It's a and great podcast. people. <laughs> fighting this cough here. So go there and take a look i'm also on twitter i guess they're not going to be shadow banned. i mean i would lose you know i get shadow banned and whatever i don't yeah. care but i'm on I've twitter never, and i'm I've on never true really, social yeah i i read through twitter and i use it as some show prep but i don't really yeah tweet I, I'm, very not, often I'm not big and, on it but um yeah with elon there i think we need to get in the public square i'm a big fan of true social i'm at the scalpel edge on both of them and um you know we it, this is not this is something that we need to recognize who's shaking the jar and yeah. determine not to cause conflict, but mm-hmm. to grow as a nation. We can become stronger out of this. We really can. Because what you're seeing now is you're seeing everything brought to light. Stuff we didn't even know. <coughs> Excuse me. I've got a cough. Four years ago, we're seeing now. Yeah. We're seeing how bad it is. And what we're seeing is, yeah, it's worse. And the way you fix that is with virtue, with integrity. You have to hold Amen. everyone accountable on both sides yeah. of the aisle. Return to standards. And when you got to fix your voting, you got to, you got, hey, look, it's going to be a generational fight and we have to do the work. Not kinetic. You don't want it to ever go. I have been at war. It's not pretty. Amen. But the people that are trying to cancel you are doing it for a reason because they don't have the power if you open your mouth. They're worried. If they if they didn't care what you said, I would be worried because people that don't care what you say already know something you don't, but they don't. Yeah. So be strong, be courageous. Amen. Well, hey, close us in a quick prayer before you die of that cough. <laughs> you bet. Father, we just thank you for this day, Lord. We worship you. We've hit our knees, Lord, and we cry out to you. We repent from our evil, Lord. We ask you to save this nation. We pray that everyone in the sound of my voice would turn to you. They would look inside their heart, die to themselves, become alive to Christ, the author of freedom. They would recognize how important family is 
and that not our will, but your will be done on earth as it is in heaven so that your kingdom comes to earth and that we can all step into our purpose, glorifying you and building a nation that this world so desperately needs so that more people can know about you. And we just thank you for this in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, to God be the glory, brother. Thank you for joining Always. me. I appreciate you. Always. All right. Be see safe, you soon. brother. Talk to you soon. Right All on. right. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us on Liberty Station. I hope you enjoy the show. If you like what we're doing, please subscribe to us on Rumble, Liftable TV, or Spotify, or anywhere that you consume podcasts. Please text these episodes to your friends and support our advertisers.